from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, assessing therapy for BRVO. The grid laser photocoagulation for treatment of edema still seems to be the most important to a good clinical outcome. First this, the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Wang declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. Many therapies have been suggested individually and in combination for the treatment of branch retinal vein occlusion. Unfortunately, the studies that have investigated these therapies are diverse and difficult to compare. Some sort of synthesis is needed, and that is precisely what Tian Wang has done. Dr. Wang appeared on program number 90 of A Scene From Here, describing the relationship between retinal vascular caliber and diabetic retinopathy. I'm delighted to have him back today. Tian, welcome back to A Scene From Here. How common is BRVO? Well, branch retinal vein occlusion, it's the second most common cause uh, of uh, uh, retinal vascular disease after diabetic retinopathy. But uh, even then, in the population, uh, it occurs in uh, between the 1% to 2% of the uh, people above the age of 40 years. What are the etiologies of the visual loss that's associated with BRVO? There are two main problems. One is that of uh, macular edema secondary to the branch retinal vein occlusion. And second, it is the fact that uh, branch retinal vein occlusion can lead to a new vascularization, which may uh, end up with uh, vitreous hemorrhage uh, as well as uh, complications associated with new vascularization. Tian, what therapies have been advocated for the treatment of BRVO? Well, there has been a range of uh, therapies. Uh, uh, there's been traditional therapies which involves uh, really laser photocoagulation, but there's also been newer therapies, for example, a group of medical therapies such as using anticoagulants, uh, using uh, uh, steroids, uh, and other uh, medical uh, therapies uh, that, uh, uh, that affects the blood vessel, uh, the, the blood viscosity, as well as the blood uh, constituents. There's also been recently surgical therapies, including vitrectomy uh, with uh, various uh, variation and techniques. And lastly, there's new therapies which consist of injection of steroids as well as anti-vascular endothelial growth factors such as Avastin or Lucentis uh, to treat uh, 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 branch retinal vein occlusion. Tian, what was the objective of your study? Well, the objectives were very simple because there has been numerous 
K-series uh, as well as numerous uh, treatment modalities uh, involved. Uh, the evidence uh, for one treatment over another has not really been very clear. Uh, and there has been one or two reviews in the past, but this has been what we call qualitative reviews, which was very subjective uh, and was uh, based uh, really sometimes on the uh, impression or the clinical um, uh, understanding by the authors of those reviews. When we looked at the literature, we found that there were many conflicting evidence, and so we set out to do uh, what we call a systematic review uh, of the literature, whereby we had specific guidelines for inclusion of studies, as well as specific exclusion, and we wanted to be as comprehensive and as objective as possible. From what sources did you glean these studies? Well, when we started a study, we we had a specific inclusion criteria, which was that we only wanted to include randomized clinical trials because of the fact that uh, uh, this is the best level of evidence for whether a treatment is or is not effective. And so when we started searching for the uh, studies to include in this review, uh, we um, included, in fact, uh, every uh, article that, was, uh, that we could come across on the up to um, six, seven databases itself, including obviously MedLine or PubMed. We also looked at Embase, we looked at Cochrane Collaboration, the NIH Clinical Trials Database, as well as abstracts from AVO. And from there, we evaluated both English and non-English language articles because there were also reports from non-English literature. We felt that uh, uh, it would not be appropriate to, to exclude them as well. And uh, from this, we then looked at all these abstracts and, uh, uh, and selected studies that uh, had uh, a randomized uh, controlled uh, design. Uh, and, and then we also did some hand searching of the reference lists of some of the major review articles. So we felt that we were very uh, systematic and we uh, probably did not miss uh, uh, any uh, article over the period that we studied. Can I get you to describe the data extraction? Yes. For each study that was included, we looked at uh, obviously where the country of origin and the authors were. We looked at whether or not the type of randomized trial, for example, was it uh, a parallel or crossover randomized trial. Uh, in fact, there weren't any studies that were crossover randomized trial, which is very common in glaucoma trials. We looked at uh, the uh, how uh, valid was their randomization procedure, whether there was masking of the uh, patients as well as of the investigators, whether or not uh, uh, they had a clear inclusion of the uh, cases. So, example, uh, what type of branch retinal vein occlusion? Was it acute or chronic? Was it non-ischemic or ischemic uh, and so forth? And then, obviously, we looked at the intervention or which was uh, or what was the treatment of interest as well as uh, the control group in that trial so that we wanted to see whether or not the uh, intervention and control groups were well matched and well balanced. Uh, we were interested in the number of patients obviously because that gave uh, uh, the study uh, an assessment of the study power 
the length of follow-up uh, and then the outcome measures. And for the outcomes, we were interested in really uh, three things. We are interested in the primary outcome, which was whether there was a change in visual acuity or improvement in visual acuity, the development or the resolution of macular edema, and the development and resolution of neovascularization. And then uh, something that is not well uh, emphasized in the literature, which is that we also looked at the rate of adverse events so that we could have uh, an assessment of the benefits as well as the um, potential disadvantage of a particular investigation. Last year, we discussed a study that employed the Cochrane database. But for the listeners who may have missed that podcast, can I get you to discuss it briefly here? Well, the Cochrane collaboration is uh, um, an international collaboration in which people that did systematic reviews uh, such as this would uh, voluntarily uh, participate in this program. And so they would submit their uh, search criteria, their uh, study data, and in fact, uh, uh, the Cochrane collaboration will uh, then publish their uh, results, uh, most of it of uh, in fact, all of them are available online as well uh, for people interested uh, in finding out the studies. So the Cochrane collaboration uh, is a way in which they summarize the best available evidence for a particular intervention. How many studies did you find and how many were ultimately included in this analysis? Well, I think we were somewhat surprised, but probably not so. When we did that search up to January 10th, 2006, we found 4,332 citations that were initially included. Out of the 4,332 citations, uh, in fact, there were very few randomized clinical trials. And uh, we, we had a final list of only 12 randomized clinical trials that looked at uh, the treatment of branch retinal vein occlusion. These included five trials that compared laser treatment versus observation, two trials that looked at intravitreal corticosteroids, uh, one trial comparing uh, a slow-release uh, steroid versus no treatment, three trials that looked at hemodilution therapy with various different comparison groups, and one clinical trial looking at uh, a medical therapy uh, versus placebo. For those studies that investigated the role of macular grid laser therapy, what were the differences among these studies? Well, out of the uh, five studies, the random, five randomized trials, uh, in fact, that looked at this uh, macular grid laser photocoagulation, uh, really the only uh, one that met a high level of evidence was the branch vein occlusion study, which was uh, a study that was done uh, in the uh, 80s and 90s uh, that looked at uh, a branch retinal vein occlusion that had a vision of less than 2040, uh, a duration between 3 to eight, 18 months itself. So uh, really, we're talking about subacute to chronic branch retinal vein occlusion. And for those patients that had macular they randomized uh, uh, patients to 71 patients to grid laser photocoagulation and 68 to observation alone. And this was the uh, most valid study as compared to the rest because they had a long duration of follow-up of 
a mean of 3.1 years of follow-up. And this was, in fact, also the, one of the largest studies that uh, evaluated macular grid laser versus observation. I think the results are quite well known. That is that uh, grid laser photocoagulation improved the visual acuity of these patients by greater or equal to two lines from the baseline in about uh, two-thirds of the patients or about 65% of the patients. And this was about twice that as compared to controls. So the controls only about one-third of patients had an improvement. Tian, what did you find regarding scatter laser therapy? Well, in the branch vein occlusion study, they had another arm which looked at scatter laser photocoagulation versus observation. And this was to, uh, uh, in two groups. It was to look at prevention of retinal new vascularization and vitreous hemorrhage, as well as uh, uh, with uh, patients in which new vascularization was already present. And what the branch vein occlusion study found was that scatter laser, which was done in 160 patients, compared to observation in 159 patients, uh, has a beneficial effect in preventing retinal new vascularization and vitreous hemorrhage. Uh, however, uh, it also caused worse, worsening of the peripheral visual field, uh, and there was no effect in fact, on the final visual acuity or on the uh, presence or absence of uh, macular uh, uh, edema. What evidence exists that intravitreal triamcinolone is beneficial? When we did the review, there were only two uh, trials on intravitreal steroids. One was uh, a study by uh, in Italy that looked at macular edema that was secondary to not only branch, but also central retinal vein occlusion as well as diabetic macular edema. And in this study, which was done in Italy, the authors randomized patients with uh, intravitreal uh, injection of triamcinolone of four milligrams versus grid laser versus a combined therapy of intravitreal triamcinolone as well as grid laser treatment. That study was relatively small, and it had uh, 22 patients in the intravitreal triamcinolone arm alone, the 21 patients in the great laser treatment arm alone, and 20 in, uh, the, uh, pa- with patients in which they had both intravitreal triamcinolone and great laser uh, therapy. And the outcomes of this over a mean follow-up of nine months was that there was improved visual acuity in patients with intravitreal triamcinolone group versus the grid laser group, except that there was no additional benefit that was seen in patients who had both intravitreal triamcinolone and grid laser. So the study really had a conclusion in which uh, it, it wasn't clear, for example, that the intravitreal triamcinolone with the addition of grid laser was superior to intravitreal triamcinolone alone. One of the limitations, as I mentioned uh, beforehand in this study, was that they combined uh, macular edema secondary to uh, both uh, branch and central retinal vein occlusion, as well as diabetic retinopathy. So it's really unclear whether it is really specific for branch retinal vein occlusion. In another study, which was only presented as an abstract, but I would like to add uh, that uh, this has since been published uh, after our review in the last month's issue of Archives of Ophthalmology, which was uh, not looking at triamcinolone, but a dexamethasone implant or postudex. 
which was uh, comparing Postvex implant versus placebo. And the results was that uh, uh, there was a sick, uh, uh, patients were randomized to uh, a 700 microgram of Postudex implant versus a 350 microgram Postudex implant versus control arm. And uh, in that ARVO abstract, uh, it was reported that there was improvement in visual acuity of greater or equal to two lines in uh, patients that had received the 700 microgram group versus the control group. In the study that has been published subsequently in Archives of Ophthalmology uh, last, uh, I think last month, there was uh, an uh, improvement seen in both 700 and 300 microgram groups as compared to controls. So this study seems to suggest that uh, Postudex dexamethasone implant may be beneficial in the treatment of macular edema secondary to branch retinal vein occlusion. Tian, what is hemodilution and how does it work? Well, uh, hemodilution is based on the principle that, um, uh, that there is something abnormal in the coagulation as well as the viscosity of the blood in people with uh, uh, branch retinal vein occlusion. And so by diluting the blood in principle, or this is a simplistic way of putting it, uh, and by exchanging blood, in fact, with venesection and volume replacement, uh, what is termed isovolumic hemodilution, then there is a thought that this might, uh, in fact, uh, uh, be beneficial for patients who had a branch retinal vein occlusion. In the three randomized trials that looked at this, in fact, there was beneficial effect of hemodilution therapy versus observation or even after uh, a laser treatment as compared to, uh, uh, as compared, as I said, to observation or a laser treatment in improving the visual acuity of patients with branch retinal vein occlusion. The problem with these three studies, in fact, was that um, the methodology of the human dilution was not standardized and in fact uh, was, um, uh, had associated uh, uh, adverse effects as well as it was uh, very difficult to perform the hemodilution uh, uh, therapy because uh, it required uh, uh, quite um, intensive follow-up as well as uh, uh, treatment itself. The common adverse effects of uh, hemodilution, for example, not only includes things like uh, fainting, uh, but there was also uh, aspects in which uh, they affected patients in terms of their general well-being, such as lethargy, uh, exertion, dyspnea, uh, and uh, for many patients who are elderly and who have cardiovascular risk factors, this does not seem to be uh, something that uh, will be readily uh, uh, acceptable by, by most patients with a branch retinal vein occlusion. What are the surgical treatments that have been advocated? Well, the surgical treatment was uh, essentially uh, in which uh, there was uh, various uh, types of vitrectomy, which may or may not be combined with a schistotomy, which is a procedure in which they uh, uh, address the particular sites of blockage of the uh, of between the arteries and the veins itself uh, at the site of the branch retinal vein occlusion uh, itself. 
And uh, there has been some variation in techniques and in the sense that some have combined it with laser as well as have some have combined it with, uh, with injection of steroids itself. So the results have not been very consistent. But in general, the reports in the literature suggest that uh, patients that are eligible and that qualify for a vitrectomy either with or without shethotomy seems to have some beneficial effects, uh, in, at least in the short term. Tian, what is troxorutin? Well, troxorutin is a medical therapy that has been suggested to inhibit both red blood cells as well as platelet aggregation. So in other words, it uh, reduces the blood viscosity and improves the circulation uh, and is thought to have an uh, effect in which uh, um, it will relieve uh, the vein occlusion at the site of the branch retinal vein occlusion. Obviously, this is hypothesized. And in one uh, randomized clinical trial in which they uh, randomized 26 people with branch retinal vein occlusion of less than five months, in other words, acute to subacute branch retinal vein occlusion, to uh, troxorutin compared with placebo, uh, uh, at, at four months of follow-up, uh, it was found that more patients receiving the treatment had a mean visual acuity of 2040 or better as compared to the control group, although this difference was not statistically significant. Are there other medical therapies that have been proposed for BRVR? Well, there has been a host of them. Uh, one of them has been evaluated in a randomized clinical trial, which was ticlopidin, which is also an inhibitor of platelet aggregation, uh, similar to uh, uh, troxyrutin. And in that randomized trial, in which uh, they randomized 54 patients less than three weeks uh, from onset of symptoms in, with branch retinal vein occlusion, in other words, acute branch retinal vein occlusion, they found that there was, in fact, a significant difference between those that was treated with ticlopidin as well as compared to placebo, in the sense that the treated group, about 70%, had experienced an improvement in visual acuity as compared to about 50%. This was also not statistically significant due partly to the small sample size uh, uh, here. The problem with the two medical treatments that I mentioned is that you really can uh, use it for only selected patients in which you had to have a cardiovascular assessment as well as for patients that comes in acutely with acute branch retinal vein occlusion. Tian Adding this all up, what are your recommendations? Yes, our recommendations are actually quite simple uh, when we have uh, assessed all the evidence for both the quality as well as of the, uh, uh, the availability of the evidence. And then as we felt that the grid laser photocoagulation for treatment of macular edema still seems to be uh, the most important or crucial to a good clinical outcome. Uh, which we have ranked as level uh, as level A, in which the evidence supporting it is level one, which is that the data has been uh, shown in good, well-conducted, randomized clinical trials uh, for that outcome to be recommended, and that grid laser photocoagulation therefore should be uh, recommended as standard therapy in reducing macular edema and in improvement of visual acuity. In patients with branch retinal vein occlusion that presents between three to 18 months with macular edema, as well as a visual acuity of 2040 or less. 
we have looked at other therapies itself and scattered laser photocoagulation as seems also to meet the criteria for uh, being important to a good clinical outcome with a level of evidence supporting it at level one. In other words, again, uh, data from good randomized controlled clinical trials. And so scattered laser photocoagulation should be recommended for ischemic retinal branch retinal vein occlusion uh, once there is evidence of retinal or dyspnea vascularization or once there's evidence of significant ischemia, uh, for example, as seen on the uh, fluorescent uh, angiogram. The other medical therapies do not meet this high level of evidence. However, we think with increasing uh, studies, uh, particularly with another randomized trial that was published in the archives of ophthalmology, as I mentioned uh, earlier, intravitreal steroids may be considered to improve visual acuity in patients with macular edema resulting from branch retinal vein occlusion, particularly if they have not benefited from laser therapy itself. As for other therapies such as hemodilution, vitrectomy, and medical uh, therapy, we believe that there's insufficient evidence for their routine use. There's some benefit in selected group of patients, but uh, for the general branch retinal vein occlusion uh, patients, uh, there's insufficient evidence in the current literature to suggest that patients should be routinely recommended for these uh, last few therapies. What about anti-VEGF therapy? There has been increasing interest in the use of anti-VEGF therapy, including the three anti-VEGF therapy that are currently widely used for the treatment of macular de- uh, uh, degeneration or age-related macular degeneration, including Avastin, Lucentis, as well as Macrogen, uh, which are manufactured by different companies. There has not been any randomized clinical trial that has compared the effectiveness of any of these therapies versus traditional therapies such as laser, uh, although there has been case series that have shown very promising results suggesting that it may be useful for both macledema as well as for new vascularization secondary to branch retinal vein occlusion. I would suggest that uh, there is insufficient evidence, again, for their routine use in patients with branch retinal vein occlusion at present. But I would not be surprised that randomized clinical trials that are currently ongoing in several uh, uh, different um, institutions will provide very promising results in the future. But until these are available, I think uh, we do not have sufficient evidence to, uh, again, routinely recommend their treatment for people with branch retinal vein occlusion. Tian Wang, thank you so much for coming on again. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Tian Wang is Professor of Ophthalmology at the University of Melbourne Centre for Eye Research Australia in East Melbourne, Australia. His paper, Interventions for Branch Retinal Vein Occlusion, an Evidence-Based Systematic Review, appears in the May 2007 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Wang or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 20 
or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.